Number 30. Abdullah Ad-Dahlawi, Shah Ulam Ali. Is it not sad enough that I beg you ceaselessly, as if I were far from you, as if you were absent? I ask for your charity without greed, and I see none. Who is as poor as I, and who desires you like I desire you? Abdul Hassan Nouri Sheikh Abdullah Ad-Dahlawi was the summit of knowers, the king of the perfect guides, the revealer of the knowledge of the religion, the revealer of the secret of certainty, the verifier of the state of perfection, sheikh of all sheikhs of the Indian subcontinent, the inheritor of the knowledge and secrets of the Naqshbandi order, he is known as the unique diver and swimmer in the ocean of oneness, the traveller in the desert of the ascetic state, the spiritual pole of all orders, and the red sulphur, rarest of the rare, of all truth. He perfected himself and adorned himself with the best ethics and manners. He lifted himself to the highest heavens of spiritual knowledge and adorned himself with its stars. He became the foremost in every science. He grew to be a full moon. He saw his light coming from the sun of his teacher until his teacher accepted to train him formally and to care for him. The sheikh supported him by means of his spiritual power and raised him to the highest blessing until he attained the station of the certainty of truth and the station of the furthermost lot tree. Then he sent him back to this world until he became, as we said before, the guide for every human being. He was given permission to give initiation in the Naqshbandi order. He supported the divine law, upheld the sunnah, and revived the truth of five Sufi orders, Qadari, Suhruwardi, Kobrawi, Chishti, and Naqshbandi. He passed the secrets and authority of all five Sufi orders to his successor, and threw him to all subsequent sheikhs of the golden chain. He raised all of his disciples to the exalted stations of the highest saints. He was born in 1158 Hijra, 1745 current era, in the village of Bitala in the Punjab. He was a descendant of the family of the Prophet, his father was a great scholar and ascetic trained in the Qadari order by Sheikh Nasruddin al-Qadari, who had been trained by Khidr. Before he was born, his father saw Ali, the fourth rightly guided caliph, in a dream, telling him, Call him by my name. His mother saw in a dream a pious man telling her, You are going to have a boy. Call him Abdul Khadr, 
Then his father and mother saw the same dream in which the Prophet told them, Call him Abdullah. Because the Prophet's order took precedence over any other suggestion, he was named Abdullah Shah Khulam Ali. He memorized the Quran in one month due to his genius. He educated himself in external and spiritual knowledge until he became the highest of the scholars. As a youth, he went many times to the desert, reciting dhikr there for months at a time, subsisting on whatever food he could find. One time, he stayed forty days without sleeping and without eating a morsel of food. His dhikr did not stop. His father's sheikh ordered his father to bring his son to him to initiate him in the Qadari order. The same night that he reached the sheikh's house, the sheikh died. His father told him, We would have gladly given you the Qadari order, but now you are free to find whatever way suits you. He kept company with the sheikhs of the Chishti order in Delhi. Among them, Sheikh Dia Allah, Sheikh Abdul Adad, Caliph of Sheikh Muhammad Zubair, Sheikh Mirdad, Maulana Fakhruddin, and many others until he reached the age of twenty-two. He came by himself to the Hanukkah of Sheikh Janijanan Habibullah. He asked his permission to enter the Naqshbandi Mujadidi order. Sheikh Habibullah said to him, It is better for you to be with those orders that have taste and compassion, for in our order there is nothing except to lick the stone without any salt. He said, That is my highest goal. Sheikh Habibullah accepted him and said, May God bless you. Stay here. He said, After I received the knowledge of the traditions, memorized the Quran, and learned its interpretation, I stood in the presence of my Sheikh. He gave me initiation into the Qadari order with his holy hand. He also gave me initiation into the Naqshbandi Mujadidi order. I was in the presence of the circles of dhikr and in his company for fifteen years. Then he gave me the authorization to guide and train disciples. I was hesitant at first because I was afraid that Abdul Qadir Jalani would not give me permission to teach in the Naqshbandi order. One day, during my period of hesitation, I saw him in a vision sitting on a throne. Shah Naqshband entered. Immediately he stood up and put Shah Naqshband on the throne. He remained standing in his presence. It came to my heart that this was a sign of respect for Shah Naqshband. He said to me, Go to Shah Naqshband. The goal is God. Whatever path you choose, you can reach him. I was living on income from a piece of property that I owned. I gave it away for God's sake. After that, 
I faced many difficulties because I had no income. I was left with only an old mat to sleep on in cold weather and a small old pillow on which I rested my head. I became very weak. I locked myself in my room and said to myself, O、oh、self, this is your grave. I am not going to open that door for you. Whatever God provides for you, you may take. You are going to live here without food and without anything but that mat and that pillow. Your food is going to be water. O、oh、my spirit, your food is going to be Zikaralah. I stayed in that state for forty days, growing very weak, until God sent someone knocking at my door. He served me with food and provided me with clothes for fifty years thereafter. When I locked the door of my room and said what I said, God's care reached me. One day a person came to me and said, Open the door. I said, I do not want to open it. He said, Do you not need me? I said, No, I need God, Almighty and Exalted. At that moment I experienced a vision in which I was raised up to God's presence. It was as if I had spent one thousand years in His presence. Then I returned and He told me, Open that door. After that I never experienced any difficulty. People came to him from everywhere. His fame reached to Byzantium, Iraq, Khorasan, Transoxania, and Syria. It even went as far as North Africa. He sent his caliphs and deputies everywhere on the spiritual order of the Prophet Muhammad. Among them was Khalid Baghdadi. He reached people through dreams and guided people. In far countries, they travelled to him from great distances, telling him, "You called me to you through my dreams." His chanika used to feed two thousand persons every day; it was always full. He never kept any food for the next day. Out of modesty, he never slept, extending his feet, because he was afraid of extending his feet towards the prophet. Or any saint, or the divine presence. He never looked in a mirror. If a dog entered his house to eat, he would say, "O、oh、God, who am I to be a means between you and your lover? And who am I to feed them when you are feeding me and them? O、oh、God, I am asking for the sake of your creation, this one." And every one who comes asking me for mercy, send me mercy for their sake. Bring me nearer to you. Help me to hold fast to the sunnah of the Prophet, and to accept what you have prescribed, and to leave what you have prohibited. One time, Ismail Amadani came to visit me by the order of the Prophet. He had travelled thousands of miles from his country in the Hijaz. He had brought with him some of the relics of the Prophet. He gave them to me as a gift. I put them in the great mosque in Delhi. 
The king of Nabdilkahand came to him once. He was wearing the clothes of the unbelievers. When the sheikh saw him, he was angry with him and said to him, You cannot sit in my presence in such clothes. The king said, If you are condemning me so much, I will not come to your group. The sheikh said, That is better. He stood up angrily to go. When he reached the door, something happened to him, no one knew what. He threw off the clothes of the unbelievers and came running back and kissed the hand of the sheikh. He gave his allegiance to him and became one of his loyal followers. They asked him later what happened. He said, When I was going out, I saw the sheikh coming in through the door with the prophet. While he was still inside, that is what made me run back to him. He slept very little. When he awoke for the superrogatory night prayer, he would awake everyone to sit with him and to contemplate and recite the Quran. It was his practice every day to read one third of the Quran and then pray the dawn prayer with the group. Then he would sit in the circle of dhikr and contemplation until sunrise. He would pray two cycles of voluntary prayer just after sunrise, and then he would give a talk. He would sit to recite the traditions and read commentaries on the Quran. He would pray late morning prayer and then sit and eat with all his followers. He ate little. After he ate, he would read religious and spiritual books and write letters. After the noon prayer, he would sit and recite commentaries on the Quran and traditions until time for the afternoon prayer. After the afternoon prayer, he would speak about Sufism and its distinguished luminaries such as Al-Kushairi or Ibn Arabi or Shah Naqshband. Then he would sit in a circle of dhikr until time for the evening sunset prayer. After the evening prayer, he would sit in the private circle of his followers. Then he would eat dinner and pray the night prayer. After the night prayer, he would spend the night in zikr and contemplation. He would sleep for only one or two hours, and then he would wake once again for the superrogatory night prayer. His mosque was too small for his followers, as it would only hold two thousand people. So he used to recite zikr for his followers by turns, each time filling the mosque. Whenever someone gave him a donation, he would first pay the poor due from it, according to the school of Imam Abu Hanifa, without waiting for the passage of a year, because to give the poor due immediately is better than to give voluntary charity. He would use what remained for preparing food and sweets for the poor, for the needs of the center, and finally for his own needs. Some people would steal from that money, and he would not reprimand them, but would leave them for God. 
One day, a man stole a book from him and then returned to sell it back. He praised him and gave him the money. One of his followers said, Oh, my master, this is from your own library and it has your signature in it. He said, Do not backbite. That is between him and God. He always sat on his knees, never cross-legged nor with the legs extended, out of respect for the prophet. He died in this posture. He concealed what he gave in charity. He never showed how much he gave nor to whom. He wore old clothes. If he was given new clothes, he would sell them and buy many old clothes with its price. He said, Better for many to have some clothes than for one to have fine clothes. Being in his company was like being in the company of Sufyan Athauri. Never was a loud voice raised, nor did backbiting occur, nor were worldly affairs discussed. Nothing was heard in it except spirituality and religion. One day the sheikh was fasting and one of his followers spoke harshly about the king of India. He told him, What a pity for me! I lost my fast. They said to him, Oh, our master, you did not do anything. The one who spoke is responsible. He said, No, the speaker and the listener partake of that sin equally. He loved the prophet so much that whenever he heard his holy name he would shake and at times faint. He was meticulous in following the prophet in his actions and in keeping his sunnah. The words of his perfection and the perfection of his words. The Naqshbandi order is built on four principles, keeping the presence of God, divine inspirations, attraction and disregarding whispers. Whoever asks for taste and yearning is not really asking for the reality of the Divine Presence. The seeker must be fully aware of how he passes every single moment. He must know how he prayed. He must know how he recited the Quran. He must know how he read the traditions. He must know how he recited the dhikr. He must know how much darkness he received from doubtful food. Food is of two kinds. One is to satisfy the self, and the second is to nourish the self. The first kind is not acceptable, but the other is accepted because it provides the strength needed to fulfill your obligations and to keep the sunnah of the Prophet. Just as asking for permitted things is an obligation on every believer, so too is the rejecting of permitted things an obligation on every knower. The knower, the Sufi, is the one who rejects this world and the next world, even though they are permitted. 
He accepts nothing but God, Almighty and Exalted. It must be understood by everyone that the Prophet is the summation of all perfections. The appearance of his perfection in every different century and time has been according to the preparedness and state of that century and that time. That is why the appearance of his perfection in his lifetime and the time of his companions was in the form of jihad, struggle, and calling to religion. His appearance to the saints in later centuries through his holy presence was in the form of self-effacement, annihilation, taste, compassion, emotion, secrets of oneness, and all other spiritual states. This is what has appeared to the hearts and on the tongues of saints. For us, the night of hunger is the night of ascension. The night of hunger is the night of desire for God. Initiation is of three categories. The first is for the intercession of the sheikhs. The second is to repent from sins. The third is to adhere to, to connect with, and to receive the lineage. All the perfections of a human being, including the prophetic, appeared in Ahmad al-Faruqi, and this prophetic perfection also appeared in Shah Naqshband. Men are of four categories, those who are barely human because all they ask for is this world, those who ask for the hereafter, mature humans who ask for the hereafter and for God, and special humans who ask only for God. The souls of human beings will be taken by the angel of death, but the souls of the elect cannot be approached by any angel. God himself takes them with his holy hand. The divine mind is the mind which knows its way to its goal without a mediator, and the earthly mind is the mind which needs to see its way by means of a guide and a saint. Whoever wants to serve, he must serve his sheikh. His Visions I had a vision in which I saw Almir Ruhallah, one of the followers of Jani Janan Habibullah, saying to me, The Prophet is waiting for you. I moved in that vision to the place where the Prophet was waiting. He hugged me, and by means of that hug I changed to be like him. Then I changed to be like the image of my Sheikh, Jani Janan Habibullah. Then I changed to be like Amir Kulal. Then I changed to be like Shah Naqshband. And then I changed to be like Abdul Khalik al-Gujdiwani. Then I changed to be like Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, the friend of the Prophet.
I had a vision near the time of the night prayer in which I saw the prophet coming to me and telling me, I have advice for you and your followers. Never sleep before the night prayer. I had a vision that I was asking the prophet, You said, Whoever sees me sees the truth. He said, Yes, and he will see God, almighty and exalted. I had a vision in which I saw the prophet coming to me. He said to me, You and your followers should never stop reciting the Quran and reciting zikr. Always send its reward as a gift to me. In this way you will derive great reward. I had a vision in which I said to the prophet, I am very afraid of hellfire. He said to me, Whoever loves us never enters the fire. I had a vision, and I saw God, almighty and exalted, speaking to me. He said to me, Your face is the face of the Sultan of Saints, and you are that one. I saw in a vision Shah Naqshaband coming to me, hugging me and merging with me. We were one. I asked him, Who are you? He answered, Shah Bahaudin Naqshaband, and you are me, and I am you. Once he was by the sea, the waves were raging, he saw a ship sailing in the tempest. It was in danger of foundering, but as soon as he looked at it, the ship stopped tossing and the sea became calm. One of his followers, Sheikh Ahmad Yar, was travelling for business in a caravan. The caravan stopped to rest. He slept and saw his sheikh in a dream, saying, Go immediately away from here. There are thieves who are about to attack. He awoke and told the people, but they refused to believe him. He left by himself, and the highwaymen came and killed everyone. Sheikh Zul Shah set out to visit Sheikh Abdullah from very far away. He got lost on the way. A man came to him and pointed him in the right direction. He asked the man who he was. He answered, I am the one you are going to visit. Sheikh Ahmad Yar said, Once Sheikh Abdullah went to give his condolences to a pious woman whose daughter had died. She and her husband were serving him. He told the woman and her husband, God is going to give you a son in the place of your daughter. She said, I am sixty years old. I have passed the childbearing age. My husband is eighty. How is it possible that we could have a child? He said, Do not ask how God can do that. It is his blessings to you and my blessings to you. Then he went out and made ablution and came to the mosque and prayed two cycles. Then he raised his hands in supplication and said, O God, grant them the child as you promised me. Then he turned to me and said, That supplication has been accepted. Later, the woman gave birth to a son.
A woman who was a relative of Mir Akbar Ali and a follower of the Sheikh became ill. Mir Akbar Ali came to the Sheikh and asked him to pray to God to take the sickness away, but the Sheikh refused to make that supplication. Mir Akbar Ali insisted. The Sheikh said, It is impossible because that lady is going to die in fifteen days. Mir Ali went back, and two weeks later the woman died. There was a drought in the region around Delhi. No crops were able to grow. The people were desperate. On one particular hot day, Sheikh Abdullah went out into the yard of the mosque. With the sun beating down, he said, O、oh、God, I will not move from here until you shower us with rain. He had not finished his supplication before the sky filled with clouds and it began to rain. That rain continued for forty days. He said, I would like to die like my Sheikh, Misra Janijanan Habibullah, as a martyr. But I remember that after he passed away, the people suffered a drought for three years. There was much killing and troubles because God was angry with those who had killed him. Therefore, O、oh、God, I do not ask to die that way, though I would like it, but I ask you to take me to you. He passed away on the twelfth of Safar. In the year 1241 Hijra, 1825 current era. He died with the Book of the Traditions of the Prophet of Atirmidhi in his hands. He was buried next to his Sheikh in Janijanan Habibullah's Hanukkah in Delhi. He left many books, including Makamat al Nakshbandiya. Risalat al Istikhal bi Ismail Jalal, Manahij al Tahkik, and Minatul Rahman. He passed the secret to Maulana Sheikh Khalid al Baghdadi al Uthmani as Sulaimani.